Please turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 11, verses 1 to 13. I hope you have your Bibles there or your Bible apps. Let me begin reading. After Jesus had finished instructing his 12 disciples, he went on from there to teach and preach in the towns of Galilee. When John, who was in prison, heard about the deeds of the Messiah, he sent his disciples to ask him, Are you the one who is to come, or should we expect someone else? Jesus replied, Go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. As John's disciples were leaving, Jesus began, began to speak to the crowd about John. What, what did you go out? What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed swayed by the wind? If not, what did you go out to see? A man dressed in fine clothes? No, those who wear fine clothes are king's palaces, are in king's palaces. Then what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is the one about whom it is written, I will send my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare your way before you. Truly, I tell you, among those born of women, there has not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist. Yet whoever is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has been subjected to violence and violent people have been raiding it. For all the prophets and the law prophesied until John. Please join me. That is the word of God. Please join me in the word of prayer. Father, we thank you. We thank you for giving us another day, another time to praise you, to worship you, and to learn more about you. We are in great of you, Lord. We are in great need of you, Lord. Please be with us tonight. Please teach us once again. Guide us through your holy word. Forgive us, Lord, for all of our sins. Remove anything that may hinder us from being heard by you. And remove anything, Lord God, from you hearing our prayers. Heal us, Lord God, physically, mentally, and spiritually. Protect us from distractions so that we can learn and hear you clearly. Open our hearts and minds to your words, Lord God. By your Holy Spirit, Lord God, guide us and teach us. Bless my preparations, Lord God, but do override it as you see fit, Lord God, because let it you and you alone speak to your people. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, folks. Uh, it feels like it's been 40 days without the NBA. I know it's like, what, 20 days, 21 days, three weeks? <laughs> but it's been four weeks since we haven't met uh, in person here in this building. This is our fourth Sunday online. Uh, but we're, continue, we're going to con continue with our series. And tonight I entitled our message, The Invis in in Invisible War. The COVID-19 or coronavirus pandemic, many say, or some say, is a biochemical weapon that was unleashed by the enemy to kill thousands of people. Whoever produced it, that was their goal. To bring their enemies, uh, to kill their enemies and to bring their econ the economy of their enemies down without firing a single bullet. So it feels like it's an invisible war. Invisible is unseen, and the most dangerous part of this weapon, the weapon is the coronavirus. It's unseen, and it's, it, the danger of it is, is we don't know that we have it for at least 14 days. And we don't know if we're infect, infecting people as much as we don't know we're infected. We don't know that we're infecting others. So you just keep spreading. If it is a weapon, if it is a biochemical weapon, it's a very effective weapon. And it has served its purpose because it spreads fast and it's deceiving and it's very cunning. 
And it has served this purpose to kill as many as possible, to infect as many as possible, to create chaos, to create panic, and to bring down all the other countries' economy. For us here in the States, and us as a church, we are now on our fourth Sunday, like I said. Uh, in Nevada, it, the shelter in place was uh, uh, announced in March 20. And all the businesses closed uh, that are deemed... Um, what is it? What's the word? Non-essential. And the jobs that are non-essential, they've lost it. So jobs were lost. Lives changed forever. Now, I can't help but to think that someone mastermind the whole thing. I can't help but to agree with that conspiracy theory. That this is an invisible war. It's like a World War III used with a biochemical weapon. And I could be right. Or I could be wrong, and I've been wrong many times. I've been wrong more than I've been right. But I still, I'm going to use this uh, analogy, this war analogy, this weapon for tonight's message. Because there has been an invisible war with our, with our natural eyes, with our human eyes, which is the war between God and Satan. And there is, tonight, for tonight's purpose... The weapon tonight, in the biochemical war, warfare is the coronavirus. The weapon that the enemy is using in this time for us is doubt. Okay, but for tonight's points, here are we have four. The first is the weapon, which is doubt. The second point that we'll be discussing will be the enemy, which is Satan, as a persecutor. And then third is Jesus, our advocate. And four... The remedy for doubt is Jesus. So tonight we will discuss the weapon of this invisible war between God and the devil, which is doubt. And in the process, we will also discuss again the enemy and his him being as, a, as an accuser, and a, as a persecutor. Then we will see our advocate Jesus on what he has done and what he continues to do for us, for us as people and for the world. And lastly, we will see that he is the remedy for this doubt that the enemy is using um, as a weapon against his people and against the world. The first point of what we read, that is in Matthew, again, 11, 2-3. So, John the Baptist says, Are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? This was a surprising question coming from John the Baptist because he was the first person he was the person that was called he was the one that was prophesied to pave the way for Jesus he was the one that baptized Jesus he was the one but I, I put here it is unclear exactly when John first consciously knew that Jesus was the son of God because you know humanly speaking there were cousins right whose way he had to come to prepare the Apostle John, not John the Baptist, but the Apostle John, quotes him, quotes John the Baptist by saying, I myself did not know him. That's in John 1, 31, chapter 1, verse 31, around the time he baptized Jesus. This is remarkable because John's mother, Elizabeth, had known. Remember, if you, uh, I know we, we haven't been discussing about John the Baptist on, on our Christmas time, but if you go look before the birth, it was told, to Elizabeth on what John was going to do. She knew because John announced it to her in, in utero by leaping when she heard Mary's voice. Was she not allowed to tell him? We don't know. Was Elizabeth not allowed to tell John the Baptist? We don't know that. But regardless, John had known even before he knew. This is here in John 1 verses 29 to 34. John testifies about Jesus. The next day, John, John the Baptist, saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is one, the one I meant when I said, A man who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but the reason I came baptizing with water was that he might be revealed to Israel. Then John gave this testimony. I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. 
And I myself did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, The man whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I have seen and I testify that this is God's chosen one. You see that? For, for John the Baptist to come up with the question, Are you the one that we've been waiting for? Or is there someone else? After everything that he has done, it only leads us to this conclusion that he started doubting because when he was in prison and he was experiencing all those challenges, it was taking forever for God to come through for him. And it's just like our situation right now. Some of us might be asking God, why is this taking forever? Why is this virus still around? Why is my life still not moving forward? Why is God still not answering my prayers, our prayers? The whole church is praying for this to come out, to get out, but then it's still here. Why? And that's the enemy. The enemy loves to bring trouble to people in order for the people to start doubting God. That is when trouble comes, right? That's what happened to us. That's what happens to us, most of us. We start asking. Thought it moved. Um, right there, Matthew eleven two, when John who was in prison, because he was in prison, because he was in jail. So I wrote here. Now he sat in Antipas in Antipas's filthy prison. John the Baptist. He had expected this. He did. Perhaps who rebuke prophets who rebuke. Sinful kings usually do not fare well. They usually go to jail and get killed in there. Unfortunately, he, John the Baptist, had not been an exception. Herodias wanted him dead. John could see no reason why she would be denied her wish. Because for those of you who don't know, John the Baptist called out uh, Herod and he said, It is unlawful that you have your wife because that's your wife's, your, that's your wife's brother. What he hadn't expected was to be tormented. What John the Baptist did not expect was to be tormented by such oppressive doubts and fears. He did not expect that. Since the Jordan, John had not doubted that Jesus was the Christ. Remember, we read that verse in John 1. But stuck alone in this putrid cell, but stuck alone in his, in his isolation, in the cell that he was in, he was assaulted by horrible and accusing thoughts. Now, I need you guys to imagine the kind of jail that he was in. It's not like the, the, the jail or the prison that we have here in America. Um, uh, up to now, there's still some very terrible uh, conditions with the uh, third world prisons and, and jail system. It's, very, it's overcrowded. It's, it's filthy. And it's now, right? That's now. But even before, look... The, the, the prisoners before were treated like animals. And they had, the, the goal was to make them as uncomfortable as possible. Especially if you have an offense against the king. So imagine the many days that John the Baptist was sitting in prison. Just like us now. We, we, how many days has it been? 21 days? Since, since, the, since the, we were told to stay in place? And what's scary is when they say, when I hear news that, when, they, when I hear that it's going to last until August. So sometimes when our prayers are getting, it's taking forever for our prayers to be answered. When trouble and, and the trials and the storm is just, it seems like it's not going to end and there's no stopping it. We can't see the light at the end of the tunnel. We question. We doubt. That's why the enemy does that. If you have challenges in your household, you know, your, your wife is still not changing, your husband's still not changing, your children are getting from bad to worse, and you're just asking God, Lord, what is happening? Why are you not answering my prayers? The enemy, the enemy is just winning when you start doubting. But it, as much as it is normal, just like John the Baptist, 
Doubt increases as difficulties increase. Right? Doubt increases as the difficulty prolongs. We get exhausted spiritually. We get exhausted mentally. And we get exhausted with our feelings. And we are, especially now, we're, we feel like we're all alone. And the whole world is going through it. And we're saying, man, is God even here? Is God even here? Is God even hearing my prayers? Can God see me through this? Or what is God doing amidst all of this? We start doubting. The enemy that the the weapon that the enemy is using is doubt to doubt God. And that's what he has done since the beginning. So we're going to talk about the enemy again. Genesis, I know we spoke about this last week. And he put here, this is his first deception. Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? Right? Did God really say? Did God really say not to do that? Going back to John, John was probably thinking, John the Baptist was probably thinking, what if he had been wrong? Because, you know, there have been many false prophets in Israel. What made him so sure that he wasn't, that Jesus wasn't one of the false prophets? What if John, what if he led thousands astray? That's probably what he was thinking. There have been many false messiahs. What if Jesus was just another one? So far, Jesus' ministry wasn't exactly what John had always imagined. Sometimes that's the problem. God's, the way God is working in our lives isn't the way we imagined it to be. Sometimes His response to our prayers isn't what we imagined it to be or we asked it to be. Sometimes God's work in our lives isn't what we imagined it to be. John's probably asking, could this imprisonment be God's judgment to me? Did I make a mistake? It felt as if God had left him. Just like us, sometimes we feel like God has left us if trouble doesn't go away. And the devil himself have taken place, have taken his place in our lives. John tried to recall all the prophecies and signs that he seemed so clear to him before, but it was difficult to think straight. It's difficult to think straight when troubles are in our midst. When we're in the middle of the storm, it's difficult. It's even difficult to walk straight when the wind is pushing against you and it's pushing you the other way or pushing you back or pushing you forward. Physically, what more mentally and spiritually? Comfort just wouldn't stick to John the Baptist's soul. Doubts buzzed around his brain like the flies around his face. You know when you're in a filthy place and there's like flies all over you, just, just can't keep them away? That's kind of like doubt keeping that kept, keeps coming to us. When things are not going as, as we've asked God and we just can't keep thinking straight, it's like the fly that keeps bothering us. Did God really say, you must not eat from the tree in the garden. And then there's another, you know, because by definition, by definition, Satan is an accuser. Again, it pays for us to know our enemy, right? Because we know that anything that comes from our enemy isn't for our good. It's for our death. It's for our detriment. So that's, that's why we're going to talk about him again. It is him that is feeding you the lies. It is him that's making you doubt God. It's the trouble that you're facing, yes. But Satan is making you ask, man, is your God really good? If God's good, why is he giving you these challenges? Why is he not answering your, your prayer in a timely manner? Why is he not changing your wife? Why is he not changing your, your husband? Why are things not going the way you're asking? Are your prayers even being heard? Man, can your God even answer your prayers? That's Satan. I know sometimes we, most of the time we think Satan tempts, is a tempter. But really, it, it, by definition, Satan is, the, uh, is a prosecutor. He's a prosecutor. He accuses. He accuses. Here, look at Job. 
for those of you there um, that can't see it, I think I it's Job chapter 1, verse, verses 7 to 12. This is an example of Satan accusing and basically saying, we all know about the, the story of Job, right? Well, trouble hit him. Um, let's read uh, verse from verse 7. The Lord said to Satan, where have you come from? Satan answered the Lord, from roaming throughout the earth, going back and forth on it. See, it, there, it, there's invisible forces there. There's an invisible war. Then the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? There is no one on earth like him. He is blameless and upright, a man who fears God and shuns evil. Does Job, this is Satan, does Job fear God for nothing? Satan replied, have you not put a hedge around him and his household and everything he has? You have blessed the work of his hands so that his flocks and herds are spread throughout the land. But now stretch out your hand and strike everything he has and he will surely curse you to your face. The Lord said to Satan, Very well then, everything he has is in your power, but on the man himself do not lay a finger. Then Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. The invincible, invisible war happened in Job's life. Can we honestly say that it doesn't happen to us? Just like with John the Baptist, a discussion probably would have uh, probably occurred too. Well, John the Baptist is praising your son and is praising you because you protected him. You provided everything for him. Well, Mikey is probably serving you faithfully because you protected him. Joe is probably serving you that and doing this because you've blessed him. Try not to bless him and see that he curses you to your face. Try not to bless your people. Try not to bless your people. Try to give them trouble and see if they will still praise you. And not curse you to your face. We know that Job's response to this, right? In a day he lost his business, all his riches, all his wealth, and he lost his children in one day. But his response was, The Lord giveth, the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Now it's painful. Trials by no means is not easy. This coronavirus by no means is easy. It's taking thousands of lives. And it's giving us trouble. It's taking away our peace. It's giving us anxiety. It's making us worry. It's making us doubt. But we have to know. But we have to know that as much as Satan is there busy trying to bother his people, our advocate, Jesus Christ, is up there praying for us. He's up there. Telling his father that we belong to him. That no matter what we do, after we have, have accepted him, despite our failures, Jesus, you know, imagine that there's a trial. Imagine there's a trial. The persecutor is, is Satan. And, and, and we are the ones that are is being accused. And our lawyer, our defense attorney, our advocate is Jesus Christ. But at the same time, how Jesus defends us is He doesn't make up an excuse for us. He doesn't say, oh Lord, you know how Dustin is. He's, been, he's always been like that. Give him another chance, will you? you know? Or, you know, John, you know, John's always been like that. You know how he was raised. Can you give him another chance? It's not like that. Jesus comes to the Father and says to the Father, yes, Lord. Yes, Father. Sin must be paid. Blood must be shed. It must be paid by blood. And I want to tell you that my blood has been shed for Dustin. My blood has been shed for John. My blood has been shed for Joe. Sins have been forgiven because I have paid. And there's no double jeopardy, right? Just like here in the law, here there's no double jeopardy. So that's our third point. Oh, wait, I have a second one there? Then I, I tackled that already. Our advocate. This is our advocate, our third point, which is on Jesus. 1 John 2, verses 1 to, two, 1 to 2. My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, 
but also for the sins of the world. Now, no matter, unlike the coronavirus, unlike the coronavirus, we've discussed this last week, right? The coronavirus will only kill the physical body. But the sin that is worse than the coronavirus kills even our soul, gives us an eternal death. And Jesus has paid for that. And He is the one that always defends us, always stands up for us. Now, to, to our lesson tonight, again, in Matthew 3, Matthew 11, verse 3, it says here, to ask Him, John instructed His disciples, go ask Him, who? Jesus. Are you the one who is to come, or should we expect someone else? The thought of being executed for the sake of righteousness, this is John the Baptist, the thought of that, and justice, for the sake of righteousness and justice, he could bear. He could bear that. But he could not bear the thought that he might have been wrong about Jesus. That's the doubt. His one task was to prepare the way of the Lord. If he had gotten that wrong, his ministry, his life was in vain. But even with his doubts, there remained in John a deep, unshakable trust in Jesus. Jesus would tell him the truth. He just needed to hear from Jesus again. That's why he sent his disciples and asked this question to Jesus, straight to Jesus. So my question to, our, to my loved ones, when you're doubting Jesus, do you go to Jesus and ask Him and tell Him about your doubts? Do you go to your Word? Do you go down on your knees and you ask Him and you tell Him, Lord, I am now doubting You if You can even see me through these challenges. Are You the one that I should be counting on? Can I be counting on you? Should I be even counting on you? Should I even be praying to you? Do you go to Him? Or do you go Do you go to your Word? Do you go to the people that you know is following Jesus closely? Or do you go to the world? Do you bring your doubt to the world? And then just cast your doubt to them. When in doubt of our faith, it is Jesus we need to ask. It is to Jesus that we need to bring that, that, that doubt to. We should go to Him. We should ask Him. We should pray to Him. We should read His Word. Because just like John the Baptist instruct, uh, instructed His disciples, that's what we should do as well. Because the fourth point is the, the remedy for doubt. The remedy for doubt is Jesus. In, in verses 4 to 6, Jesus replied, Go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. You see how affectionate Jesus is still to John the Baptist? The affection that radiated from Jesus, from Jesus was palpable. Jesus was familiar with John's sorrows and he grief and sorrows and grief and the satanic storms that break on the saints when they are weak and alone. Jesus knows that when we are doubting him and he knows the grief that we're going through. And he loved John and he loves us, his people. Jesus understands when we're doubting in the midst of trial in the, because He knows the pain behind it. He knows the grieving behind it. So Jesus invited John's faithful friends to sit near Him as He healed many. Right? I'm imagining as He came there, as they came, as they came to Jesus, Jesus showed all these miracles to them. And then He told them, go back what you've, saw, what you've seen. And then he turned to them with kind tears, I'm imagining, glistening in his eyes and said, Tell John what you have seen. Folks, you have to remind yourself on what, what Jesus has already done in your lives. 
it is always good to go back to the many times that God has answered your prayers in the past. And the many times that God has, has answered your prayer now. Or, or the testimonies. That's why we encourage giving testimonies. When we still had the opportunity to share the testimonies here. That's why I'm always asking for people. Can you share your testimony on how God has answered your prayer? Because if you have no answered prayer yet, but you heard, you know, Joe has said that when he was going through this, he just gave it to God and God came through for him. It is good that we go back and see the works. It is good that you go back and study your word. It is good that you know who Jesus is for what he is, what he is about, his power, his faithfulness, and his promises. It is good that you go to Jesus and be reminded of what he has done. Because that is the remedy for doubt. Because the, again, in this invisible war that we are in, the weapon that the enemy is using is doubt. Is God even good? Is God even hearing your prayers? That God Does God even care about you and your situation? Are things even going to change for you? Are you sure that your faith is the right one? It's just like John's, John the Baptist's doubt. What if I was wrong? What if that Jesus that I baptized, that I saw that the Holy Spirit come down, what if he's the wrong one? That's probably one of the doubts that he was, who was battling with. Because that was his one purpose. His one purpose in life was to pave the way for the Messiah. And then now he's been in jail. He's been suffering in jail. And then all these things, the satanic attacks. Because that's what Satan does. You don't see him. Some of us were imagining Satan as a scary being, right? A scary one of the horror movies. Because we've seen many horror movies, right? Red with the fork. Ugly. Oh, no. Satan loves to cast doubt, especially about God. He wants God's people to doubt him. He wants God's people to be paralyzed by their sins. He wants us to forget. He wants us to forget and doubt God's love. He wants us to doubt God. The remedy for doubt is Jesus, who he is. That he is the son of the living God. He is, the, he is God incarnate. He is the second person in the Godhead. The remedy is his power. And what he has done. He had resurrected from the dead. He resurrected Lazarus. He resurrected that, that, that little girl. He turned water into wine. He walked on water. He stopped the storm. We have to remember what Jesus has done for you in your life. When you are doubting, go to Jesus and ask Him to remind you of the many things that He has done for you. Remind, ask Him to remind you of His promises. Ask Him to remind you of His faithfulness. Now, I have a charge for us believers, especially in this time. Just like John the Baptist's disciples, they were the ones that delivered the news back to John the Baptist, who was already discouraged, who was already doubting. It's us believers that need to deliver that good news about who Jesus is, and what he has done, and what he does for the world, what he did for the world, that he died for the sins, for their sins. That this pandemic that's scaring us is what's what's a scare is that we get sick and we die. That's the scare, the number one. I know some people are worried about money, but ultimately they're also scared about dying. And then death is so death is so wrong, as we discussed uh, last week, because we're not created for death. We're created to have eternal life, and so the, the thought of dying just feels so wrong. So us believers, I am pleading with you to please deliver the good news to the hurting world. I am hoping that as you see, as you look into your Facebook, as you hear your, 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 your friends' doubts and fears, I am hoping that you are having compassion for them. And I am hoping that you will take the, the big 
the big step of surrendering to God and just taking that dive and being used by Him to share the good news to the hurting world. Like I said last week, I don't, I, I don't know what else for us. I mean, we have to be looking with our spiritual eyes here. This is the perfect opportunity. Every heart is troubled right now. Every mind is uneasy right now. All the things that the world thought was going to secure them, everything that they were praising over God is now taken away. This is the perfect opportunity to share the gospel to your loved ones. Next verse, John chapter 1, verses 1 to 4. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him, in Jesus, was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Now there's... It's easier said than done. It's always easier said than done to, to say, oh, you shouldn't be doubting God. But yes, there is an extreme difficulty to continue to believe that God is good in the middle of a trial. Let me share you a story. Let me share to you a story about one of Rab, uh, this is Ravi Zacharias's uh, Vietnamese translator in his early ministry. Let me read this uh, illustration that I have here for you. Shortly after Vietnam fell to the communists, Hein, the name of this, this guy is, uh, I have it here, I'm sorry, give me a few seconds here. Uh, Hein Pham, all right, that's his name, Hein Pham. Uh, Hein was arrested, accused of aiding and abetting the Americans uh, he was in and out of prison for several, several, several years. During one long jail term, the sole purpose of his jailers was to indoctrinate him against the West, mainly against Christianity, and especially against democratic ideals and the Christian faith. He was cut off from reading anything in English and restricted to communist propaganda in French or Vietnamese. The daily overdose of the writings of Marx and Engels began to take its toll on him. One of the books he was given to read pictured the communist man as a bird in the ironclad cage of capital capitalism, throwing itself against the bars of capitalist oppression and bloodying itself in the process. Yet still, it continued to struggle in its quest for freedom. Hein began to buckle under the onslaught. You know, so many challenges... <laughs> You're only human. Sometimes you just, you're going to bend. You're going to give. Maybe, he thought, I have been lied to. Maybe God does not exist. Maybe my whole life has been governed by lies. Maybe the West has deceived me. The more he thought, the more he moved toward a decision. Finally, he made up his mind. He determined that when he awakened the next day, he would not pray anymore or ever think, of his Christian faith again. The next morning, he was assigned to clean the latrines. You know what the latrines are like in the bathroom? The latrines in, of the prison. It was the most dreaded chore. Yeah, I could imagine. I'll fight them over it, maybe. <laughs> Shunned by everyone. And so with much distress, he began the awful task. As he cleaned out a tin can filled with overflowing with toilet paper, his eye caught what he thought was English printed on a piece of paper. He hurriedly washed it off and slipped it into his hip pocket, planning to read it at night. Not having seen anything in English for such a long time, he anxiously waited for a free moment. Under the mosquito net that night after his roommates had fallen asleep, he pulled out a small flashlight and shining it on a damp piece of paper, he read at the top of the corner, Romans Chapter 8, literally trembling with shock, he began to read. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. What then shall we say in response to this? If God is for us, who can be against us? 
He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously gives us all things? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Hein wept. He knew his Bible. And he had not seen one for so long. Not only that, he knew that there was not a mere that there was not a mere relevant passage of conviction and strength for one of the verge of surrendering to the threat of evil he cried out to god asking for forgiveness for this was to have been the first day in years that he had determined not to pray evidently the lord had other plans can you imagine that though imagine that for 5 seconds the bible was being used as toilet paper Right? But even that gross, very offensive action taken by that unbeliever, it was used to encourage a believer who was already doubting God. To speak to that person. God speaks to us through His Word. That's why I keep saying, go to Him. Go to His Word. Let Him speak to you. Read your Bible. The next day, Hein asked the camp commander if he could clean the latrine again. <laughs> he said, hey, this is good. Can I do it again? He continued with this chore on a regular basis because he had discovered that some official in the camp was using a, as a, using a Bible as toilet paper. Hey, guys, I know we're shortage. there's a shortage with toilet paper. Call me, okay? Don't use the Bible. Each day, Hein picked up a portion of scripture and cleaned it off and added it to his nightly devotional reading. In this way, he retrieved a significant portion of the Bible. The day came when, through an equally providential set of circumstances, Hyde was released. He promptly began to make plans to escape from the country, to escape Vietnam. After several unsuccessful attempts, he began again to, to build a boat in secret. About 53 other people planned to escape with him, and Hyde was taking the lead. All was going according to plan until a short while before the date of their deport, departure where four Viet Cong knocked on Hein's door. The Viet Congs were, were the Vietnamese soldiers. When he opened it, they accosted him and said that they had heard that he is trying to escape. And they, they asked him, is it true? Hein immediately denied it and went on to distract them with some concocted story to explain his activities. Apparently convinced, they reluctantly left. Hein was relieved but very disappointed with himself. He, and he says, I quote, here I, here I go again, Lord, trying to manipulate my own destiny. Too unteachable in my spirit to really believe that you can lead me past any obstacle, unquote. He had promised to, to he made a promise to God, fervently hoping that the Lord would not take him up on it. He prayed that if the Viet Cong, Viet Cong were to come back again, he would tell them the truth. God's working in him. That, that's the most difficult part is when God's working in us, we, 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 we're never the same, right? Resting in the comfort of that impossibility, he was thoroughly shaken when only a few hours after his prayer, there sat the four men again and asked him the same question. Are you trying to escape? Is it true? Hein resignedly gave the answer, Yes, I am. With 53 others. <laughs> he threw others. He made sure he threw others in the bus. Are you going to imprison me again? There was a pronounced pause. And then they leaned forward and whispered, No, we want to escape with you. In an utterly incredible escape plan, all 58 of them found themselves on the high seas, suddenly engulfed by a violent storm. Hein fell with his face in his hands, crying out to God, 
Did you bring us here to die? Did you bring us here to die? As he concluded his story, he said, Brother Ravi, those four Viet Cong were all fishermen who were quite skilled at handling a boat. And if it were not for the sailing ability of those four Viet Congs, we would not have made it. They arrived safely in Thailand, and years later, Hein arrived in America soil, American soil, where today he is a businessman, forever grateful for America and praying that she would open her heart as a nation to Christ. That's a testimony of somebody that started doubting God to a point that he said, I will finally stop praying. I think I was lied to. I have this quote here. This is by J.C. Ryle. Health is a good thing, but sickness is far better if it leads us to God. Comfort is a good thing, but un being uncomfortable if it leads us to God is better. Safety is a good thing, but danger becomes better if that danger brings us to God. If we are looking with our spiritual eyes in this whole coronavirus pandemic, it is dangerous. It is, a, it is bothersome. But we would praise God if this pandemic leads many to Christ. If it leads the, our loved ones that we've been praying for to surrender their lives to Christ, then this pandemic becomes a what? A blessing in disguise. Romans 8.28, right? During times of darkness, like what we have now, it is much easier to doubt God and His promises. In this age, and in this time, even the greatest and strongest saints, like what we see in John the Baptist, experience deep darkness. None of us are spared sorrow. None of us are spared from sorrow or satan satanic oppression. Most of us suffer agonizing affliction at some point. Most of us will experience seasons where we feel as if we've been abandoned. Most of us will probably die hard deaths. The Savior does not break the bruised reed. He hears our pleas. For help and is patient with our doubts I praise God for that he does not condemn us he has paid completely for any sin that is exposed in our pain he does not always answer with the speed we desire nor is his answer always the deliverance we hope for but he always said the help that is needed can I get an amen with the four guys here all right. <laughs> his grace is always, his grace will always be sufficient for those who trust him. The hope we taste in the promise we trust will often be the sweetest thing we experience in this age. And his reward will be beyond our imagination. Let me, let me repeat that. The hope we taste in the promises we trust will often be the sweetest thing. We experience in this age and his reward will be beyond our imagination in John's darkness and pain John the Baptist's darkness and pain Jesus sent a promise to sustain John's faith and he will do the same for you God's promises to us is for is for our own good that He is always with us. He will never leave us nor abandon us. And He has always met our needs. Amen? I hope that as we go through this, this very trying time, and our, our friends and our family will come to us, the unbelievers, or even the believers that are, 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 are losing their, their faith in God, that are doubting God. I hope as, as we get those news, as we get those people, as we get those texts, as we get those emails or phone calls, that we will be open, that we will be the funnel of God's hope, that we will be the funnel of Jesus' messages of hope and His promises, the truth about who Jesus is, 
More importantly, I hope that you will be bold enough to finally share what Jesus has done on the cross for them. I know next week, is it next week, supposedly, the Resurrection Sunday? I know our, our, our series is about the road to the cross. And it's, it's pretty evident that we will not have a, a joint Resurrection Sunday um, for the first time in many years, right? But God is still good despite that. Despite the trouble that we are in, despite the fact that we are scattered and we can't gather, God is still good. God is still very much powerful to, to remove this. If He wants this, this pandemic to be removed by tomorrow, He will. But uh, well, for me, I've been praying for a lot of people for, for them to be, to be fertile, to be open to God's message. And, and I'm finding that there are more agreeable to talk to about the message at this time rather than before. I have people text me uh, asking for prayers. The people that, that were making fun of me that I was a pastor, that I'm a pastor, that they, they can't believe it, they're actually reaching out and asking for prayer and asking for a Bible verse. And, and, and I'm taking, I'm using that. I'm using this opportunity this time as an opportunity to share the truth about Jesus. And I'm hoping that you will do the same. But more importantly, if you're a believer and like John the Baptist, you're doubting if God is the one that you are to wait for, I hope that this message, through this message, God has reminded you of who He is because the answer is yes. He is the one that you are to, to worship. He is the one that you are to depend on. No one else. No one else. Let's close in prayer. Father, we thank you once again for speaking to us, for guiding us, for blessing us with your message. We pray that we will continue to keep our eyes and our hearts and our minds uh, on you now more than ever. We need you, Father God. We need you to overflow from us so that we can be that funnel of blessing to the world that is hurting, to the world that is dying. Forgive us, Lord, for the times that we have made everything else more important. Help us, Lord, to be finally obedient to your calling to us, to be the salt and the light of the world. Heal us, Lord God, spiritually and physically. Remove the doubts. Improve and grow our faith in you as we continue to look at everything that you have done for us and continue to do for us. Remind us, Lord, of your faithfulness, of your power, and more importantly, of your love. All of this we ask in your Son's mighty name, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. And all the Lord's people said, Amen. Amen.